Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Here's a five-star review that we received on Apple Podcast. She said, I know I'm not crazy. I just listened for the first time. It was Laurel's story. My husband made me think I was crazy and I believed him. I even went to a doctor to get help. On that occasion, I was told it wasn't me, but it was my husband. It took me four or five years to realize the doctor was right. And I never thought his way of treating me was abuse either. I felt I just needed to do better. Now, 15 years into our marriage, I'm getting out. Recognizing he will never change, and at my age, I shouldn't be in an abusive relationship. I just subscribed. I want to hear more. I need to heal. Thank you so much for your review. Jane Gilmore is back on today's episode. I started talking with her two weeks ago, so if you haven't heard the very beginning of our conversation, go back two weeks so that you can listen to the whole thing. We ended last week talking about grooming again. I want to talk about an aspect of grooming that once they're done with the grooming, once they get what they want, they sort of abandon the grooming for a minute because they're exhausted and they got what they wanted. I want to talk about one other aspect that I have noticed, and it is that the grooming is so good before sex that they're very good at getting what women really genuinely feel like is consent. They feel like they are actively wanting to share touch. And then after he is upset. So for example, a lot of women think of consent as like, he's kind of mad or like I'm feeling uncomfortable before. And then somehow I ended up having sex. And then he's sort of happy after because he got what he wanted. That might be kind of a feeling. He's never going to be that happy. He's just going to be like, great, that's done. Moving on. There is another aspect of it where women genuinely feel like they actively want it not knowing that they've been groomed, not knowing that they've been lied to. And then once he gets what he wants, then he's just like, oh, I don't have to act like that anymore. I don't have to act nice. I don't have to act great. I can just be mean to her and put her down or whatever, because now I'm not trying to get consent. They're not acting the same way. And that can feel really confusing for women because it's like everything was so good and it was delightful. And then we had sex. And then after we had sex, he just started acting weird. Have you ever heard of the reverse? Can you talk about that? Women who've just had that experience where they're they're feeling that intimacy and want to maintain that closeness are like, but what happened? We were feeling so close. Again, going back to that, that actions and words, 
But let's pretend like someone has a very, very, very communicable disease. Let's say Ebola. And they're like, I am actively going to try to get treatment for this. And you're like, great. You would not have sex with them right then. (laughs) They have Ebola, right? (laughs) You would be like, okay, good for you. Once you don't have Ebola anymore, you no longer have a contractable disease, then I will have sex with you. I want women to realize that like, if they say to you, okay, yes, I will improve, right? I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to get better and I'm going to change. Then be like, great, you've got Ebola and good luck to you. Have fun during in treatment. Good luck with the doctor's appointments and stuff. Look me up when you don't have it anymore. Right? Like if you're sitting there going, well, I've got a bowler and I promise I'm going to go to the hospital. I promise I will go to the hospital, but let's just have a quickie before I go. Yeah. No one's going to do that. No, no one's going to do that. So if they say to you, okay, yeah, I will get better. I will get better. And in the meantime, let's continue having sex. Be like, no, you have a contagious communicable disease. I don't know why you have it. I'm not You don't even have to blame him. You don't even have to call him an abuser. I don't know. You don't need to do any of that. But you can say to yourself, this is not wise. If they're not currently healthy enough to have sex right now, today, then I should not have sex with them today. You go off to the hospital, you see the doctor, you take all the antibiotics, whatever you need. And when the doctor says you're healthy, come back and tell me about it and then we'll talk. Right. And when you come back, I'm going to look you in the eyeballs and see if you've got any signs of Ebola. Hopefully you educate yourself and look for those signs and then also take enough time to know if it's grooming or not. Yeah. And also, are you happy for me to talk to your doctor, the doctor that apparently cured you of Ebola? (laughs) And if he says yes, absolutely. Here's the doctor's number. You have a chat to them, see what they say. And the doctor also says, yes, I've checked him for Ebola. And yes, he was sick. (laughs) And we spent all this time treating him and now he's okay but if he's saying no 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 you can't talk to my doctor no 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 I don't want you to call the hospital no you don't need any evidence for that let's just have sex right and you're like I all the way across the world I'm going to respectfully disagree with you and I'll tell you why this happens a lot in the pornography addiction recovery community so he'll he'll go to a a, like a CSAT therapist who's like a sexual addiction recovery therapist and he'll groom the therapist and then the therapist will be like wow he is doing great (laughs) so if she talks to him and says to his therapist hey is he doing well is he healthy enough now to have sex with it is like 99 percent possible that that therapist will say oh yeah he's doing so well he's healthy now he's doing great and he is not so i don't agree in this case that you should talk to their quote-unquote doctor I I think that that's actually a bad idea. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But say um, in that analogy, if it's a porn thing, right? And he says, okay, I'm definitely cured. But no, you can't have the password to my computer. And oh, look, my browser history is scrubbed every time. And I'm going to go off and lock myself in a room for an hour and you're not allowed to come in. But I went to the therapist and the therapist said I'm fine. Then trust your instinct because clearly something's not. 
even in that case, I mean, even if he gave you the password, even if he gave you all that stuff, like you have to trust your instincts because yeah. he could give you the password and he could have two phones and he's got a secret phone somewhere that you don't know about. Right. So trying to follow up with a third party always makes me nervous. There's women who even require their husbands to do like a polygraph, for example, and they think, oh, great. OK, he had a polygraph. So now now he's safe or something. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, you don't need to check his phone. You don't need to do a polygraph. You don't need to do all that. Just get really, really quiet with yourself and ask your sacred internal warning system. Do I feel emotionally safe, psychologically safe? Do I feel any fear inside at all? And it's my opinion that that is a more accurate read than asking their therapist or something. Also, here's one other thing. Sorry, I'm ranting, Jane. I apologize. But if you have to ask someone's therapist, <laughs> if you have to get a polygraph to be like, is this person safe to have sex with? Like, is that not the biggest giant red flag you've ever seen? Like, like that is really alarming. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that, that women will often go to those extraordinary lengths, let me check your browser, let me talk to your therapist, take this polygraph, is because the nature of an abusive relationship is that that you do stop trusting yourself. And trusting your instincts, as you said, is one of the safest things that you can do. So if you can just have that moment of just by yourself and really, really thinking, how do I feel? I don't trust him. If that feeling is there, you're probably not going to be able to fix the relationship. If that feeling keeps going, if every time you stop and have that really quiet moment, do I trust myself with him? Do I feel safe with him? Do I believe him? And the answer is always no. Then how is that going to get better? Why would you stay with somebody knowing that you can't trust them? Because you'll never be able to trust them. In that moment, I want you to think, listeners, this man has Ebola. <laughs> maybe that analogy will stick. I don't know. But maybe he can get better. Maybe he can't. I don't know. But he is not currently safe right now. And that's all I ever need to worry about. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I don't need to worry about the next day. I just need to worry about right now. He's not healthy enough to interact with, not even emotionally or psychologically, right? It's just not a safe situation right now. I think the thing that, that can sometimes happen with that emotional manipulation that that's worth thinking about is, is the way they manipulate you, you you lose sight of what you want. So if you're talking about consent of both people actively want to share touch, the manipulation takes you away from yourself and all the focus goes on them. What does he want? What does he need? Why is he doing this? How can I make him better? And you lose touch with what you want. How do I feel? What do I want? What do I need? Because all your focus is on him. And if you forget about that, if you forget about your needs, that you need to be loved and respected and, and cared about as well, and you've lost sight of that, that that's also a sign, even if he's not, he's never physically violent, he doesn't even shout at you, it's not overt, but you've lost sight of what you need because all you're thinking about is what he needs. That's a moment, again, where you need to, to go off and have that quiet moment. How do I feel? What do I want? I want to not be so exhausted all the time by wondering if I can trust him. Because it's exhausting, right? 
Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Here's a five-star review that Trauma Mama Husband Drama received on Amazon. The title is Betrayal, Trauma, and Recovery. Finally, something we quote-unquote crazy women can call it as it is. This book helps give a name to the emotional and psychological abuse and trauma that so many of us women have up until finding this book and the BTR.org podcast. Thinking that we were crazy and alone We couldn't put a name on the situation or the suffering that we've been made to face at the hands of an abuser. Thank you for validating victims' feelings and for providing us with useful information and tools to rise above the trauma. Thank you. And now back to the conversation. Another thing came to mind with that. A lot of women, when they really get quiet, what they really want, and it's a genuine desire, and it's genuinely true, they don't want to get divorced. And so if they get really quiet, they're like, I don't want my marriage to end. I don't want my family to fall apart. I don't want like a divorce and like a custody battle and like all of this stuff. So, so if their focus is on like, I don't want chaos to ensue that would maybe happen in a divorce, most likely would happen because abusers are very difficult to divorce. And so their focus is on that that's what they want rather than they want to actively share touch, right? Or that they feel uncomfortable or that they feel something else. And so this sort of bigger, broader thing that they want, which is a intact marriage, might block them from realizing the little mini things that they want and they're not little and they're not many. So I don't mean to say that, but in terms of like, they don't really want to have sex with them, but they genuinely want to remain married. So they feel like if I don't have sex, then I'm, I'm really not going to have what I want, which is marriage. Can you speak to that for a minute? I really understand that I want my marriage, my family to stay together. I don't want to be a single mother. I don't want to have to go through all of that. I really, really understand that. But even those quiet moments when you think about what you want, I want a marriage, but why? I want a marriage to be a partnership. I want to share my life with somebody. I want to share parenting and living and working. I want to share all those things with somebody If the person you're with is not somebody you can share with, is not somebody you can feel like you have that equal sharing of your lives and your thoughts and your feelings with somebody, and you know in that quiet moment that you can't trust him and you've really never been able to trust him, then why do you think it's going to change? You're not going to, if that's what you want, that really good marriage, being married doesn't give you that. Being in a good marriage gives you that. And if he can't be in a good marriage with you, then what you want is not something that's ever going to happen with him. You might technically have the marriage, but you're always going to have that never really having what you want. So I think people get confused between I I want my marriage to I want a good marriage, a happy marriage. 
And just the, the wedding, the marriage certificate is not enough to make you happy. And I also would say, what for? Yeah. They say, I want the marriage. And if you ask what for, and it might be real genuine concerns of financial, financial abuse, for example, you're thinking, there's no way I'd be able to take care of my kids. Or there could be some very real, legitimate concerns that you think, what for? Are you kidding me? If, if I didn't have him, I don't even know where I would live. I don't know how I would function. So if you think what for, really take a look at what the answer is. If the answer is finances, then how can you improve your own personal financial situation? That's not something that you have to depend on him for, maybe right today, but like tomorrow you don't. And so to start taking a look at the reasons why will also help you recognize that they feel dependent on him and he wants you to feel that way, but they are not. If he's an attorney and he makes a good living, you also can go to law school. You also can become an attorney. You also can make a good living. All of the things that he might have that you feel like you cannot get by yourself, you can. Absolutely. Women are always so much stronger than they think they are. Feels impossible when you look at it from if you're in that kind of marriage where you feel like you're financially dependent. No, I could never look after myself or my kids without him. It's amazing what you can do. And they're real fears. It's a tough world out there. And I would never dismiss it as, oh, no, you'll be fine. You'll get a job. You'll be fine. It's, it's not that easy. So I really understand that maybe sometimes you might even make that decision of, well, not now. It's just not safe for me to leave right now because I actually can't at the moment keep myself and my kids safe. But you're right. If you're in that marriage where you're thinking, well, this is not good for me. This is he's not caring for me. This is not sharing a life together. Then maybe instead of just picking up your bag and running out the door, then what you need to start doing is thinking about, well, what can I do to make sure that if this doesn't get better, if he doesn't keep those promises that he keeps making, that I can be safe, that I can give myself that choice. Well, and also, why am I staying and how can I replace those things with something else? If you're like, why am I staying? And you think because of the finance stuff, what could you do to replace that? Not with another guy. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> By dating someone else. No. Uh, are there some career options? Are, is there a grant? You know, think about the reason you're staying and, and see, is there an alternative that is not a man <laughs> that can actually meet this need. It's a legitimate need. Like you need to have a roof over your head. In what ways can it be replaced? And in what ways can it be replaced that are actually genuinely secure for you? And your point about it not being another man, it is really, really difficult to go from an abusive relationship to a healthy relationship because you're, as you say, you're groomed to expecting a particular kind of response. And to, it's not that you can never be in a, a really good, healthy relationship. Again, you can, obviously, but you need a break. You need a bit of time to recalibrate and be around people who you're actually good with and get used to having those kind of signals. And then you can meet somebody, but you, it's really, really difficult to be in an abusive, manipulative, controlling relationship to a really healthy one because you're so conditioned to those responses. So a guy who's actually genuinely a good guy, the responses feel off and a bit weird. The other reason I say that is because if you think I need financial stability 
And so I need to replace it, right? Because this this unhealthy man is providing that right now and I, I need to have it replaced elsewhere. And then you replace it with another man. You are also transactional yeah. in that moment. So rather than having a human replace that need, which is would put you in a transactionship rather than a relationship, how can you provide that need for yourself? Yeah. As long as you can meet all of your basic needs, emotional, psychological, financial, physical, then you're not going to be so vulnerable to transactions. Because an abusive guy likes that. He's like, great, she's vulnerable. She cannot meet her own needs. This is a transaction just waiting to happen. So that that's why I say not another man. I'm not saying that that you're going to be using people per se, but in a way, yeah, if, if, if you want a relationship because you need financial stability, why not just get financial stability? Yeah, right. And maybe if you need help, like going back to friends and family is a different thing. But yeah, bouncing from one man to another, it, that's not giving you that stability at all. No, and it's, it's absolutely fine to get help. That's, you're going to need help, right? Yeah. But that's a different situation to say, I need help while I get on my feet. I need you know, childcare help or something while I finish this certification so that I can be a radiologist tech, you know, I don't know what it's going to be, but that's different than I have financial needs and the 100% way I'm going to meet these is through another person rather than I'm going to create some independence so that I don't have to have transactionships anymore so that I can have a relationship because all of my basic needs are met and I don't have anything to trade. Exactly. I'm there because I want to be, not because I'm because I have to be or because I'm being manipulated or forced into it. We are going to pause. So make sure that you tune in as Jane and I continue our conversation next week. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 